0: This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. My name is Jim Gallagher, Jr., and I'll be your host today. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. And special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's by BJ Trollio, and that's available on Amazon. Today's guest is the head men's golf coach for the Charlotte 49ers. And they're on the rise, folks. They're ranked preseason number 26 in the Golf Channel poll. And uh love to get have you guys have a chance to get to know Ryan Cabbage. He uh, grew up in East Tennessee. We met uh, at the U.S. Amateur at Oakmont. He was watching Matthew Sharpstein, one of his players, in the quarterfinals. And we got to chatting about things. And uh, a wonderful guy. He's finishing, or starting his 11th year now at Charlotte. He was an assistant coach for the men's team at Auburn, where he played. And also a couple of years on the women's side. So, I've been in coaching quite a while. Great communicator, wonderful guy. Can't wait for you guys uh, to get to know him. And uh, let's get Ryan on the phone. Today's guest is the head men's golf coach for UNC Charlotte, the 49ers, and they're on the rise, preseason 26 for this upcoming season. And uh, let's welcome Ryan Cabbage to the podcast. Ryan, welcome.
1: Thank you. Look forward to uh, spending some time with you here this
0: morning. Yeah, we uh, we met for the first time at the USAM at Oakmont. You're watching uh, Matthew Sharpstein in the quarterfinals match against the actual uh, eventual winner, James Pyatt. And... And uh, you told me you had several players there at Oakmont, so quite an achievement. But uh, how rewarding was that for you as a coach to see uh, all the hard work these guys have put in and, and be able to get to the USM?
1: Yeah, it was um, – yeah, I, I think as a coach it was a, a very proud moment. And, and for me, yes, it was a little bit about the program continuing to move in the, in the right direction. But I'm just happy for the kids to, to have that opportunity, uh, to have five guys up there. Uh, to have Matt, you know, advance to the quarterfinals after making the semifinals at, at Bandon Dunes the, the previous year, um, but for for all five of those guys, um, you know, to to have that opportunity on the on the biggest stage in, in amateur golf is uh, it, it great for them. And, and they do work hard, and, and it's always good to to see that hard work pay off, and and um, certainly a good thing for for them and our program.
0: Yeah, it was cool. I, I was—I I found out five minutes before my show's over that Matt had actually stayed in our little condo at Old Waverly during the Southern Dam, and I just saw you <laughs> sit there. You had the, you know, Charlotte uh, logo on there, and asked if you were a friend. You go, No, I'm actually his coach. And I mean, after five minutes, I felt like I knew you my whole life. And you had some East Tennessee ties, but uh, now's a good time to get everybody, let everybody know uh, who Ryan Cabbage is, and maybe get to know you a little bit better. But you know, how did you get started playing, and who really influenced you a lot early on in uh, your early days of playing?
1: You know as, as you mentioned uh, you know I grew up in in
0: East Tennessee
1: um, my dad was a high school baseball coach and so he, as most kids um, it, at that time um, you know late 80s early 90s you know it was very seasonal um, you know in terms of the sports that we played uh, it was baseball in the summer and and I didn't play a lot of football but you know all my buddies played football in the in the fall and then we'd play basketball in the winter and and um, sprinkled a little bit of golf in there. Um, At that time, you know, I didn't grow up in a a country club uh, environment. I had one guy that I went to high school with that was primarily a golfer. He went on to play. uh, He started at Vanderbilt, transferred, finished his career there at Tennessee. So I kind of followed his lead, but, Uh, I I didn't start playing golf until uh, I was 13 years old, Wow, uh, which was a a lot more typical at that time than than it would be today, where you start to see a lot more uh, specialization or whatever term you want to use. But uh, no, primarily, uh, you know, I was a, I was a baseball guy uh, and and then eventually kind of got to where I I played baseball in the morning or or golf in the mornings and then baseball in the afternoons or evenings, whatever our, uh, you know, little league or senior league schedule looked like. So, um, you know, more of a, a sport-oriented uh, childhood growing up, more so than than golf-specific. Uh, but I, I quickly realized as I moved through high school that if I was going to play at a higher level, which was my goal, uh, that that it was probably going to be golf. There, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, upside for a, a six-foot, one hundred and sixty-five uh,
2: pounds <laughs> second
1: second baseman. Uh, that hit for zero power and couldn't run. Um, so I, I realized that I, I needed to find a sport that, uh, <laughs> that might be a little more conducive uh, for that. And, uh, you know, ended up going to a junior college out of high school, went to Walter State uh, in Morristown, Tennessee, played for a guy named Bill Gardner there. And uh, man, two just fantastic years, learned a lot about the game uh, from, from coach Gardner. He's a hall of fame uh, coach with our golf coaches association now and a great friend of mine, uh, but really had an impact uh, on me personally and with my my golf development. Uh, And uh, a couple of good years there at Walter State. uh, Was fortunate enough to win a a junior college national championship in 1995, uh, which opened up some doors and uh, eventually uh, decided to go to Auburn. Um, Finished up my college career there and then ultimately became uh, the assistant coach just one year out of college. We talked about a, a little bit of a different age uh, now where everyone has assistant coaches uh, and uh, there are a lot more guys in the, in the coaching of college golf business. Uh, I guess I would say uh, I was one of the, the the few, one of the very first ones back in, I guess that was fall of 1999. Uh, spent 10 years as the men's assistant there at Auburn, uh, two years with our ladies uh, and then uh, to Charlotte, where I just finished my 10th year. So that's a, a quick rundown, kind of where I where I've been, and and, and, and what's gotten me to where I am today. And, and thankful for so many people that have uh, had an impact on me uh, to to get me to to the position that that I'm in now.
0: You mentioned multi sports and not specializing or specializing. What's your opinion on that with kids uh, today, Eli? Uh, like- when we grew up, that's what you did. You played the seasonal sports. I thought was great for development. I'm a big proponent of playing as many as you can until you kind of get to maybe seventh, eighth grade. Then maybe at least only one a season. I <laughs> don't play two a season like you kind of did. But what's your opinion on that multi sports or playing sports growing up? Uh, and maybe who you look for when you're kind of recruiting a kid.
1: I I love the multi sport kids. Um, you know, I think we talked a little bit about it up at Oakmont uh, a couple weeks ago. When, when you see players um, uh, that the only real pressure uh, that, that they felt is, you know, that four-footer or that eight-footer, uh, it, it might not even be uh, to, to win a tournament. It might just be to keep mom or dad happy. Uh, <laughs> but that's the only pressure that they have uh, that they felt. That's different than the guy who has grown up, uh, you know, it, it, we'll use baseball as, as an example, that has been in a position – uh, where he's got first and third and, and nobody out, and, and he has to figure out a way to get out of that inning without giving up a run. Or, you know, point guard in basketball that, that has his has the ball in his hands with, with 30 seconds left down by two or, or going to a free throw line and needing to make a couple free throws to extend a lead late in the game. I, I just love the fact that, uh, you know, the, the multi-sport guys have been in that position. They can understand that. And then, this, you know, the second layer of that is, is just the athleticism that comes with having played other sports. Um, you know, you, you're as well aware as anyone that, uh, that the direction that golf is going in, where you're seeing guys that are athletes, uh, the Dustin Johnsons, the Brooks Kepkas of the world, the best players in the world, are becoming bigger and stronger and faster uh, and, and more athletic overall. So uh, I, I think the guys that, uh, you know, that that play other sports growing up, gives them an opportunity and and maybe a little bit of an advantage in a couple of those areas uh, to hopefully perform their best, you know, now on the golf course.
0: Were there things that your dad taught you from baseball that maybe helped you in golf? Some of the things, maybe like you talked to, me, mentioned some of those things, but there were some things that maybe he passed on through his coaching of baseball and that it helped you in your golf. Yeah, I think as a coach,
1: the way he, um, and as a high school administrator, uh, you know, he was also a high school principal uh, I think the interaction um, with the students or other teachers at the school that were working alongside him, I think that's probably the biggest thing I've taken you know, from him and my mother as well who worked in the school system. Uh, the level of respect that they earned from the people that, that they worked with, the students that they interacted with on a daily basis, that, that's probably the biggest thing. And, and I carry that over on a daily basis, and I hope that the guys that have come through our programs at Auburn when I was an assistant and and now at Charlotte can kind of see that that you know we we treat people with respect and and uh, we let them be who they are, uh, but within the parameters of the program and and making sure that they um, you know maintain the culture of our program and things like that. But just the the way that that both of my parents treated people and the respect that that garnered back from those people, I think was probably the biggest thing that that I learned from them.
0: Did you always think you maybe get into coaching uh, growing up? I guess not so much as as you were in college, but in growing up, having your dad coach high school and and, and so much into sports that way.
1: I did. I think I was always drawn. Um, you know, I've always loved sports and and uh, and college sports in particular. Um, you know, having grown up there uh, in the shadows of of Neyland Stadium in East Tennessee. Um, you know, I, that was uh, – we didn't have professional sports in Tennessee at the time. So mm-hmm. uh, the Titans weren't uh, in Nashville yet, and, and, uh, and Memphis didn't have – of course, that was a long way away from where I grew up, but they didn't have an NBA team at that time. So the University of Tennessee was really uh, – those guys were my heroes growing up. And then, um, you know, that was something that I always – I enjoyed um, with, with athletics and in particular college athletics. So I think I was kind of drawn with a, with a, with a house full of, or or a family full of educators uh, and working with people like we've talked about before. Uh, I I knew pretty early on, I wanted to coach Uh, didn't really make that decision until late in my college career at Auburn. I realized that professional golf was probably not going to be the path that I was going to be taking. Uh, But I, I, I was led to, the coaching aspect and, and talked to Mike Griffin, who was, mm-hmm. who was my coach there at Auburn late in my career and, and said, coach, I think I'd like to get into coaching. And, uh, and, and he kind of advised uh, two things at, at that time, uh, either get into the PGA program or get involved with junior golf. Um, we'll talk a little bit later on. I'm, I'm not a golf instructor. Uh, that's my, not my strong suit as a coach. Um, you know, so, Fortunate enough to meet a guy named Todd Thompson uh, mm. at a summer summer golf camp in, in Athens, Georgia. Uh, Todd had just started up the Southeastern Junior Golf Tour at the time. Uh, Todd still runs that tour um, and is also the executive director of the RSM Classic down at Sea Island. And uh, I met Todd that summer after my senior year um, at Auburn. I was fortunate enough to, to get my first job opportunity working with him uh, as his first employee. Uh, with the Southeastern Junior Tour, and and spent one year with Todd, and then went back and and
2: uh, and started at Auburn
1: as the assistant coach after that one year with Todd. So, uh, coaching, I think, was always, uh, you know, in my in my bloodlines. Um, you know, I mentioned my dad being a high school baseball coach. I had uh, a couple of uncles that were high school basketball coaches. Yeah, it's just kind of what we did. We, mm-hmm. we lived out kind of in the country, and and uh, you know, the aunts and uncles were all teachers or, or nurses seem like and and so uh I, I think that desire to kind of help people uh was always there for me
0: yeah it's a calling it takes a special person to coach you mentioned Todd Thompson I mean, he's a great friend my two girls and Thomas uh played the SJGT and it was one of my favorite uh, tours for them to play it, was, it gave kids an opportunity who maybe didn't get in the AJGA because everything is nothing against the AJGA but it was a great opportunity especially for like my oldest who was a soccer player growing up and decided I think it was about her sophomore going into her junior year she goes dad I think I want to play college golf and she played a few events and she got to play those, won a few, and just gave her so much confidence. You know, two-day tournaments, a lot less pressure, really laid back. Guys running up were fantastic. Todd was a good friend and, and became a good friend through that. So uh, I knew you'd work from but I didn't realize you were up there at the very beginning, and Todd's done a great job and continues to do a good job. But you, you mentioned you went to, uh, went from Walter State to Auburn. What was that transition like for you? you gone from a, you know the smaller you know junior college or community college to big Auburn. Because we see kids transferring these days or going that route, what what was the transition like for you? Was it a little bit overwhelming? It it was, and
1: actually, as soon as you started asking that question, the first thought that came to mind was overwhelming. Yeah, Um, you know, I I was stepping into into a program, and again, you got to realize uh, back to junior golf. I wasn't a guy that traveled all over the country playing AJGA events. The, The Southeastern Junior Tour wasn't even a thing at that time. Um, you know, so I, I was a very, um, I guess what I would call localized junior golfer. And then all of a sudden I stepped into a program, um, you know, that, that coming out of the 1995 season had an NCAA champion, uh, a guy named Chip Spratlin, uh, one up at the, uh, at Ohio state at the Scarlet course in 1995, they had four guys returning. Um, I'm sorry. They had three guys returning off of that team in 95 uh, that was ranked in the top 10 in the country. So it was a little bit overwhelming. And it's something that I use still to this day when I talk with incoming freshmen or transfers that might be coming from a smaller school. Um, you know, the, the understanding that it's still golf, yes, it is at a higher level. And, and there's a lot to be learned in terms of
0: game management
1: and, and what do guys do at that next level. Uh, but at the same time trying to kind of simplify uh, and understand that, okay, let me continue just doing the things that I do, uh, working on the things that I need to work on and not trying to chase, um, you know, this first-team All-American and and his game might be in a completely different spot than where my game is. Let me learn from him, but at the same time, I still have to kind of put my stamp on my game. And it took me a little while. Uh, to, to kind of understand that. I think the first instinct is, oh, now I play at Auburn or now I play at, at Tennessee. You, you go to that higher level and it's like I have to start changing some things. My guess is for you out playing on the PGA Tour, uh, th- there was probably a little bit of that and maybe a little bit of that when you went to Tennessee with, uh, oh, I have to do something different now, when the reality of it is uh, just keep getting better and, 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 and working on the right things. And, um, you know, that, that's what helped me, but it did take a little bit of time. Uh, it was a little bit different. And then some of that was, you know, being a little bit homesick. I was away from home for the first time. I mean, Walter state was 30 minutes from home for me. And, and although I did live up there, I didn't commute back and forth. There's still a difference in being five and a half hours mm-hmm. from home and being 30 minutes from home. In addition to the changes with golf and, and a, a higher standard of golf uh, from Walter state uh, to Auburn, but, uh, Fortunately, I was able to uh, to, to to survive uh, with with a lot of help from, from Mike Griffin and, and a lot of help from teammates and, and uh, made it through and, and thankful for that opportunity for sure. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today with, without that opportunity that Mike Griffin gave me uh, back in 1995.
0: You mentioned a couple of things. It reminds me of the movie Hoosiers with Gene Hackman and measuring the court and the basketball goal. I mean, it is. You, we over... Uh, complicate things. We have our own personal expectations to get in the way we feel like I've done it myself. You know, I I played so well that year in 93, Ryder Cup, blah, 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 tour championship. All of a sudden 94 rolls around. I feel like I've got to play at a different level because, hey, you're supposed to and and you just can't play like that. I've had Hal Sutton on the podcast. He said the same thing. He was compared to Jack Nicklaus. I mean, this is Hal Sutton, uh, arguably one of the best players that ever played. And and even those guys go through that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think one thing you said, you stayed local, but Tennessee Golf Association was phenomenal. They, had, they were the kind of the premier and the model on how to run junior tournaments in their amateur section, and just, they just did an incredible job. I know growing up in Indiana, they kind of copied some of their stuff, and a lot of people did, so that had to help you there. Uh, your teams were good, like you said, at Auburn. That was fun. But uh, you said you wanted to get into coaching, and Mike gave you that first shot. Uh, what was it like those first maybe year or so, young guy taking over? Uh, really coaching guys almost your same age. What was that like?
1: Again, as soon as you mentioned that, my first thought went back to,
0: I want to say, I don't know
1: the numbers off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess if we had a team of 10 or 12 guys in that fall of 1999, uh, my first year coaching, at least half, uh, if if not maybe two-thirds of the guys on the team were former teammates because I'd only been removed one year uh, from being a student athlete, uh, at, at Auburn. So that was probably the biggest thing, um, was kind of not necessarily breaking that relationship, but understanding that that relationship had to, to become coach and player or assistant coach and player versus teammate.
2: Mm. Um,
1: and, and we had, uh, Jason Duffner was a senior on that team. You know, Jason and I spent three years together as teammates uh, Roland Thatcher uh, was another guy that had been there for a little while at that time. He went on to play on the PGA Tour uh, for a little bit as well, along with a few other guys that were, you know, teammates and then now, you know, student athletes that I was expected to to coach uh, and, and thankful for those guys. And, and it was a, a relatively easy transition, but it certainly was a little bit different, um, you know, at that time because, you know, those are guys that, that had been my roommates and, and guys that, you know, we'd had fun together in college, and all of a sudden I had to sort of be, I guess, relatively speaking, a little bit of an authoritative figure now as an assistant coach, uh, you know, with that. But those were, uh, th- those were fun times uh, from a pure coaching perspective. Uh, you know, I-, I step into a role, and I think we all have these ideas of, you know, oh, this is what college golf should be. and And, and sometimes what student athletes think coaches do, uh, is completely different than what coaches actually do on a day to day basis. And so I, I quickly learned the other side of that. And again, thankful for Coach Griffin. He was a great mentor uh, for me to help me kind of understand that, oh, they don't just show up for practice at 1 <laughs> 30 in the afternoon and, and go home at 5 30 and, and that's it uh, and, and, and put gas in the van and pay for dinner. Uh, so I, um, I, I quickly learned some of those things. And then again, can't can't thank Coach Griffin enough. And then Kim Evans as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Kim Evans, the two years I spent with the uh, with the Auburn women's uh, program. Uh, she certainly helped me uh, be the coach that I am today as well.
0: What did one thing, or maybe not there's a thousand things I'm sure you learned from Mike, but what would be the top thing that you learned from him that you took away that helped you in your coaching today?
1: I, I think the consistency that, that Coach Griffin had. Um, you know, and then he would get fiery sometimes, and, and, uh, as all coaches do, uh, they, they were, uh, we had our ups and downs sometimes, even though we had some really good teams, all teams kind of go through that. Uh, and although there might be those temporary, um, you know, rises and falls emotionally, uh, he was very consistent in, in what he did with his program, what he wanted players to stand for, uh, and, and the way that, that he wanted, um, guys in our program to do things, uh, same thing with, with, uh, with Kim Evans, uh, as well, you know, so I think those kind of core principles and, and core values, probably the biggest thing, um, you know, from a pure golf standpoint, uh, I think coach Griffin game management, he, he mm-hmm. was one, and it, and it kind of went back to as a player, uh, you know, I mean, kids grow up and it's like the, the object of the game is to, to hit at the flag. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, you stand on the range and then you practice and you aim at targets. So then the target becomes the flag. And I think understanding that there there may be times where, you know, a ball needs to be right of a flag or left of a flag or short of a flag. That Coach Griffin was a huge proponent of that and, and kind of managing your game, keeping the ball in correct relation to the hole. Uh, so as a pure management uh, of a program, sticking to the consistency of those core values and, and the culture within the program, and then with the the golf side, uh, you know, understanding the importance of controlling your golf ball, as he liked to talk about, uh, and, and understanding that. And I still use that a lot today. And and you and I both saw that yeah. at Oakmont uh, with with the importance of keeping the ball in the correct relation to the hole. And and certainly we saw that. Um, you know, I spent a week with Matt uh, Sharpstein out at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, and and of course those greens all slope back to front. But understanding. Uh, you, you can play from the front of every green out there and the importance of keeping the ball below the hole uh, with that. And we try to, you know, relay that to our guys still to this day, which is something that I learned from Coach Griffin. And hard for college guys to get that sometimes because you feel like, oh, we're, we're, you're requiring us to be too conservative um, or, or why am I not allowed to be more aggressive? And it's not we don't allow guys. It's just helping them understand where, where, what's a smart shot and, and and maybe what's the not as smart. Shot in, in, in each
0: situation you mentioned kim evans and she was quoted i read the quote you were as well prepared as anybody great work ethic attitude is unmatched tireless recruiter and knows the golf swing even though you say you don't you're kind of like me on that we know the golf swing it may not be the strength but pretty cool praise from such a an incredible coach but you mentioned going into the women's side of it and and me having daughters mary Langdon played at mississippi state my oldest and kathleen played at lsu and my wife played at LSU, my sister. So I have kind of an understanding of the women's side. But there's a difference in coaching the men and the women. I, uh, I'm i not, I guess, because I'm a little bit prejudiced because of the, having girls on that side. I would think the girls were easier to coach and much more fun to coach because they were willing to listen. And like you just mentioned, guys are like, why do you want me to do that? And the girls were more you know, than the boys were to listen.
2: Yes, they
1: um these guys uh, over the years can certainly be very stubborn. Um <laughs> That's a good which word. I think, uh, I, I, think <laughs> I, I think a lot of great players are stubborn. Yeah. Uh you know, I, I get that. Um the 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 ladies uh in the two years there at Auburn were uh, much less stubborn uh than the guys. And and I was very fortunate Jim, I'll tell you. Uh the the program that that, that coach Evans had there at Auburn the, the two years uh, that I was there. I stepped into a situation where in year one, I, I think the the lowest that that we might have been ranked was like sixth in the country. Wow. We pretty much spent the entire season uh, in the top five. Um, went on to um, you know finish I think tenth at NCAA's that very first year. So that was a really really good team. Sydney Clanton was on that team. Mm-hmm. Now plays on the LPGA tour. Uh, just a fantastic talent. Uh, young lady named Candace Shepherdly uh, was an amazing player uh, on that team, and so uh, I, I really sort of cheated for two years there because uh, I got to watch a, watch a lot of really really good golf. We won an SEC championship uh, my second year, uh, and and that year again spent the entire season in the top fifteen in the country. capped uh, that off with an SEC championship. So uh, really fortunate to to step into. A really really good team for for both of the years there uh it it was a little bit different uh and again i think that's something i still carry on uh to this day just the the interaction uh you know every player has a story and Mm -hmm. and and generally there's something that's going on as to why something's happening you know maybe on the golf course maybe the the attitude may not be great and this is really no different guys or girls Mm-mm. uh you know that maybe they're they're showing more frustration on the golf course or maybe their work ethic is has kind of dropped off just a little bit you know as as a coach the easy thing is to 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 get on to the kids about well you know your attitude's not great you're, you know you're not reaching full potential because of this or you know why why are you not working as hard as you used to but i think it's important as a coach to to kind of dig a little bit deeper as to is there something going on? And that's something that I learned, um, you know, really in, in all 12 years, uh, you know, there at Auburn. Uh, but uh, to to step into a new team and a new program with, with a group of kids that, that I didn't recruit that I didn't know as well. I saw them on a day-to-day basis, you know, going in and out of the facility and things like that. But then to kind of jump into the program, uh, you know, I had to kind of learn more about those girls and, and uh, kind of what made them tick a little bit. And it's certainly something I feel like I benefit from uh, today. Yeah, uh, you know, now being even at Charlotte.
0: Well, you mentioned you're molding young men and young women at that point as a coach, and and it, that was so well said because you and I have talked about that. You, you don't know what's going on in a kid's life. Something may be happening at home that they're not saying, and they're they're struggling with something and. You've got to keep that line of communication open and I know there's some coaches listening to this. I know the parents and the juniors and that's the reason I started this podcast to get this information out to a get to know you guys as coaches but to be looking this is what you look for in a coach or a program uh I always i kind of say it in a in a funny way but I, I truly mean it when you're being recruited they're you know they're bringing you fillet and lobster and when you get there you're serving it. if you're <laughs> if you're lucky you you're only serving it and not cooking it and cleaning up so uh that's part of the process but you want to go somewhere where I, I my advice to kids is hey go somewhere where you feel like if you never hit another shot or if you missed a uh a trip that you would be comfortable at and and i think that's part of it because so many things happen in that 18 to 22 years they're growing up they're on their own for the first time so there's a lot happening for a coach that's a lot of pressure And and you mentioned they're not van drivers i would say Maybe when I was playing, not so much Coach Malarkey, but a lot of coaches, that's basically what they pretty much did. They dropped us off. They went out, had lunch, came back. How'd y'all play? It's not that way now. And, and you mentioned Charlotte. They come calling, uh, and, and you take over there. What was that first year like now as the head coach? You've learned a lot at Auburn. What was that first year like now you're the man?
2: yeah that's
1: something that we talk about that transition from from working with
0: the southeastern junior
1: tour to kind of getting into coaching in those first uh that, that first year or two um you know as an assistant at auburn and then kind of stepping into a, a different program at auburn the hardest transition for me was from auburn to charlotte uh, and it kind of goes back to as a student athlete we think we know what coaches do mm-hmm. as assistant coaches we also think we know what head coaches do but until you sit in that seat uh as a head coach and then you know there's an old joke that, that everyone's heard you know assistant coaches make suggestions head coaches make decisions um you know and we and we kind of laugh about that but until you are in that decision-making role I, I don't think you have any idea exactly what that entails. So that was a big tra- transition. You know, I had these thoughts and ideas and, oh, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Uh, and, and it takes a little while to kind of settle into, okay, who, who am I as a head coach? Um, you know, what, what are the, the true core values uh, that, that I want our program to stand for? uh, and, and what do I want us to be able to do on a daily uh, basis that I can, can monitor? Because the thing is, if we have a a laundry list of, of do's and don'ts and core values and things like that, if I can't monitor those things and some things start to slip through the cracks, uh, the kids notice that
2: Mm -hmm. and and
1: now it becomes more difficult to hold them accountable uh, for everything. So, and that transition was a little bit difficult because I had a, a, a million thoughts and ideas on what I wanted to do and this and that. Uh, and it took, uh, you know, a couple of years. And, and I still, I was talking with a former, uh, you know, student athlete here at, at Charlotte, a former player, just the other day. And, and I and I told him, I said, I wish I had known then what I know now. And, and I would have coached him differently. And mm-hmm. it goes back to what we just talked about, understanding the story behind each player. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't do a great job coaching th- this guy in particular, um, you know, because it was, okay, you, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. I didn't get on a personal level with him to help him be the best that, that he could be. Um, so that, that took a little while. And, um, you know, again, I mentioned being a little bit homesick, uh, you know, when I went to school at Auburn. I think I was a little bit homesick. I think our our family was a little bit homesick early on at Charlotte. And mm-hmm. change is hard. You know, my my wife graduated from Auburn, uh, loved Auburn, and and uh, it, it was just different. And um, about a year in, uh, not to get too much on on a personal level, but about a year in, there were some coaching changes going on around the country, and she asked me, you know, what what's our next move? Uh, you know, as is, is, is pretty common in, in this day and age with uh, with with husband and wife and talking about where the next steps might be and so on and so forth. Um, and, and I told her at that time, I said, I don't know, uh, you know what the next move might be. Uh, I don't know if there would be a next move. But the one thing I do know is that if there's not, I'm completely happy here at Charlotte. I feel like we have the resources to be successful here. Uh, And I'm glad that we are here. And she said, that's fantastic because I love it here. And at that point, I feel like the sort of the weight of the world with that transition and moving the family. I think our kids were maybe our twins were seven at the time. Uh, Our youngest was five. You know, so there was just a lot going on when, when we came to Charlotte. I think to hear her say she loved it here, she loved Charlotte, that made it a little bit easier on the coaching side. Uh, just to know that okay, we're starting to kind of settle in here, and and now you know, ten years later, uh, couldn't be happier and and in a in a fantastic spot, and and I hope that I've continued to grow and learn. I feel like I have as a coach, uh, certainly a, a lot better than I was in the in the fall of 2011 when I, I came into Charlotte, guns ablazing, so to speak.
0: You mentioned uh, an ex-player coming back, but that's a sign of a good coach. Whether you even heard yourself because i i heard steve spurrier who is a thorn in tennessee fans side as you know <laughs> uh but one thing he did mention he knew he was being successful as a coach when his ex-players would bring their kids back to meet him and i think you you pretty much hit it you kept the lines of communication together and that's that's a sign of a good coach but what makes charlotte so special uh your golf program what makes the school so special and you know if you were having a recruit out there to come in what 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 would you say to them this is why this place is so special
2: yeah i think that the university
1: itself um is still relatively young uh it's growing it's 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 a clean campus uh there are new buildings popping up all the time uh and i think there's a lot of uh, a correlation between the university and the city of charlotte um it's still a A young growing very uh vibrant uh city and and i think the the two of of them tied together uh is is just really a fantastic thing you know our campus is nine miles from downtown um uptown as they call it here in charlotte um (laughs) but so we're 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 close enough for the kids that that want to get to the city and kind of want that that city life so to speak at the same time we're far enough removed that you don't feel like you're in the hustle and bustle of, um, you know, one of the bigger cities in America. Uh, you know, we can go nine miles in one direction, be in the city, you go five miles in the other direction, you're in Concord, North Carolina and it's horses and cows and things like that. And, and, and we talk about the, uh, the, the family dynamic, you know, my wife grew up in Atlanta. We talked about me growing up in East Tennessee. It was almost a perfect scenario with the city of Charlotte because mm-hmm. I could kind of I could feel like I was in the country at times. She could feel like she was in the city at times uh, with that. And so I think that's a good draw for a lot of kids just initially as they look at Charlotte and and what, you know, the city of Charlotte has to offer, the university has to offer Uh, from, from the golf perspective. uh, What a great golf city
2: Mm -hmm. uh, Charlotte
1: is. Uh, You know, everyone's familiar with Quell Hollow and, and the PGA championship and, and some international competitions that are coming up with the president's cup, Ryder cup, things like that. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of the great golf courses uh, in Charlotte may get a little bit overshadowed uh, with Quell And we see it every year with the Wells Fargo championship, but man, there are some awesome golf courses uh, in, in Charlotte. And yeah, uh, you know, I, tell, I tell kids all the time that, uh, you know, I'll put, I'll put the golf courses in the area that we play on a regular basis up against any in the country. And uh, I know you're familiar with a lot of the golf courses here. They're just really, really good uh, quality layouts in great condition. Um, So we're, we're fortunate with that. And, um, you know, just, just really in a good spot uh, with golf and and a sports city, Uh, you know, I'm slowly transitioning maybe to a little bit of a professional sports fan with, uh, with, with the Panthers and the, the, the Hornets and so on and so forth. But uh, it's just a, a really fun city and in a great area of the country uh, where we can really, uh, you know, we can get to the mountains very quickly. We can get to the to the beach very quickly. It's just a really, really good spot.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's such a great golf town. Y'all have a practice facility too, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. We do. We
1: have the uh, Stubblefield Golf Center, uh, four miles from campus, uh, right out actually by Charlotte Motor Speedway. So. Uh, you where know, we are in the, the the racing capital of the world, and uh, we see it on a daily basis. Uh, we're probably uh, three quarters of a mile from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, we have the ZMAX drag strip that actually joins right up to our practice facility uh, here at uh, Rocky River Golf Club and, and the Subblefield Golf Center. Uh, and, and everything that the, the kids need to get better. Uh, you know and I tell every kid that comes on campus, you know they'll see you know bigger, uh, flashier golf facilities uh, around the country, especially at the Power 5 level. Uh, but but everything that they need to get better uh, is right here at the Stubblefield Center with all the technology, um, you know, TrackMan, Putt Lab, indoor hitting bays, locker rooms, lounge area, you know, go everything that, that we need, uh, maybe on a little bit smaller scale than, than some of the schools around the country. But for kids that want to come into our program and work hard and do things the right way, um, they have every available to them in order to get better and then that really even expands out to the resources to be able to play the tournament schedule that we play to go to different spots uh around the country we just launched our our schedule for the upcoming season just the other day and and uh, you know we go out to to the west coast and we go to the bahamas and and so you know we're fortunate to uh you know to have golf uh be a sport that, that our university and our athletic department cares about in order to get those resources uh whether that be you know resources to travel or resources as we just talked about with the Stubblefield center and and uh and a great practice facility so these kids can continue to get better uh and, and you talk about former players I, again i'd be remiss to to leave out you know jamie green who's up at duke now uh you know jamie was a former coach here at charlotte and and really Uh, did a great job putting Charlotte Goff on the map on a national level uh, with the teams that he had. You know, they finished third at the NCAA championship Mm -hmm. in 2007 up in Virginia. Uh, Corey Nagy uh, was on that team, four-time All-American. And so back in that stretch of of 07, 08, 09, um, they they really made Charlotte Goff relevant um, on a national level uh and, and there had been some teams prior to that and some players uh, prior to that that had been really good but on a national scale um it, that's really when when Charlotte Goff um you know kind of was was placed onto the map and and I think our administration uh saw that back at that time and and um you know we were fortunate enough that the double field center came about in a practice facility and things like that so um, yeah, I talk about Mike and Kim Evans, and, and the folks that have gotten me where we are today, those teams in the past at Charlotte, we certainly couldn't be where we are today. Um, you know, and, and be able to compete on a national level without those that have come before us, uh, here at Charlotte and Jamie Green and, and, and Corey Nagy, Andrew DiBetetto, uh, the coach over at Chapel Hill now was on that team. Uh, you know, just a, a fantastic group of guys and, and obviously great players, uh, so just very lucky uh, to, to have what we have because of so many people.
0: Well, you mentioned getting better, and I think that's what kids are looking for. What advice do you have for the kids or their parents that are out there in the recruiting process, picking junior tournaments? What advice do you have so coaches like yourself can you know, check them out and, and uh, get into the process of figuring out where they want to go to school?
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a progression, uh, as, as a junior player, uh, depending on the level that, that a kid might be on with, with talent and, and things like that. And, and this is something that I kind of sold from, from Coach Griffin. He always talked with kids about, you know, where, wherever that, that level where you are, uh, eventually you want to get to the spot where, um, you are winning, um, uh, at a regular basis or at least competing to win uh, at a, on a regular basis at maybe the state level or, or maybe a local level. Uh, you know, become one of the better players in, in your state uh, as you then progress, now branch out to be one of the, the better players to where you're competitive and, and, and maybe you're not winning on a regular basis, but you're having the opportunity to win at a regional level. Uh, maybe that's some of the, the AJGA events that, that might be, you know, like and when I think about here, they just had one up at Carolina Trace or maybe down in Augusta or something where you're getting kids from maybe a, a four or five state area, uh, and be competitive with those guys, uh, and then from there branch out to the national level, uh, and, and find out where you are. Can you compete? Do you have an opportunity to win at that, at that level? So you're, you're kind of ca- taking that progression. You're taking those baby steps. So, trying to get into those events. Um, and, and sometimes kids, you know, they might have to play on a very local level until their their talent level gets to that point where they can be competitive at a state level, then regional, then a national level. So, I think those are good measuring sticks and, and a good starting point to kind of find out where you are uh, with that. As far as player development, we talk and getting better. Uh, you know, we talk to our kids a lot about. Driving accuracy, you know, I think that's extremely important. That's something that I think gets overshadowed a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, I saw that out at Torrey Pines. Uh, for for whatever reason, I, I think people don't realize how well guys on the PGA Tour, how well the best amateurs in the world drive the golf ball. Uh, so that's something that we talk about a lot and, and, and playing from position to 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 be able to score we talk a lot about wedge play uh, 150 yards and in uh, and and then we talk a lot about putting and uh, it's not about how well your your you know high draws with your five iron uh, what that looks like right now it just aren't that's not going to help you shoot a lot of lower scores but you know drive the ball in play be great with your wedges and inside of 150 yards uh, and and uh, you know really make those um, you know the the, the money makers, so to speak, from from inside of eight uh, feet. You know that that's kind of three parameters we talk with our guys a lot about in in terms of player development and trying to get better. And I kind of correlate that and pass that along to to junior players as well. You know, if parents ask me, you know, what do you see? What can I get better? You know, everyone has individual things. You know, because every player is different. But at the same time, if you can kind of stick to those sort of core principles um you know that, that we just talked about uh it, it's hard to to not improve if you're getting better and in those areas scores are going to get better
0: y'all been listening to ryan cabbage and i can see if, and i know you're listening closely because he's giving some great advice but the team's uh, coming a lot of the guys are coming back for the fall what's the upcoming season look like for you guys uh as you head into the fall probably when this podcast be out you'll be playing your first event we will uh, we'll be headed over to Duke here in uh, in just a couple of weeks.
1: Uh, so yeah, it's it's back. It feels like just yesterday we were finishing up uh, at, at NCAA's um, you know last spring, and, and uh, in the blink of an eye, uh, the guys are back on campus and ready to go. Um, we only lost uh, one guy uh, last year uh, from uh, a team that made the NCAA championship and, and uh, only missed the finals by a couple shots over in, in Nashville. Uh, John Goff will will have uh, those are big shoes to mm-hmm. fill. John was a three-time uh, first-team All-Conference selection. He was a Conference Player of the Year. Uh, most recently, John just won uh, the Palmetto Amateur and the uh, then went back home to England and won the English Amateur. So he's he's doing fantastic. Uh, so big shoes to fill, but uh, at, at the same time, we feel very good about what we have coming back. Um, you know, four of the five guys that competed at NCAAs um, will will be back uh, along with. Like I said, the majority of our of our roster, uh, we mentioned earlier, five guys competing in the U.S. Amateur. So we're we're uh, you know certainly moving in the right direction, and and uh, I feel like this team has capabilities of of being really really good. Uh, but as I I told them just yesterday, when that preseason ranking came out, that uh, <laughs> no we don't get mulligans because we're ranked 26 in the country, and and nobody's just going to step to the side and go, okay, I guess we'll finish behind Charlotte this week. It's going to take uh, you know a lot of hard work, and and we've got to continue to get better. Uh, and and these guys, and that's my responsibility to make sure that these guys don't become complacent. Uh, it's easy to say the right things, and and uh, oh well, we we want to be better than than preseason number twenty six. We want to do this and that, but you, you've got to make sure that 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 the habits match the goals, uh, because if they don't, then they're just wasted goals, and and so that that'll be the primary focus. Um, you know, just making sure that we uh, continue to get better. But the good thing is, um, you know, we, um, we, we don't have a lot of concerns in regards to the talent level uh, on this team. The, these guys, it's, it's made up of a lot of good players. So I, I feel like we at least have a chance to be really good. Uh, now it's just going to be us up to us to make sure that we do the things we need to do in order to get better. And then let's just see how good can, can we be? And, um, uh, you know, can we take that step uh kind of the, the motto for this year is good to great uh i felt mm. like last year's team was good can we take that next step to be a great team uh to to really be relevant uh on a national level on a consistent basis
0: well that's uh, well said because you pretty much answered the question how do you keep the expectations other and it's a balance and it sounds like you've got it together but uh, i met you a few weeks ago spent 30 minutes with you felt like i've known you my whole life uh You've described yourself, but uh, we'll finish this podcast with this. How do you think or what do you think the descriptions your players have of you as a coach? What would you, How would they describe you? That's probably a tricky question, but how would you think or how would you want them, better than that, how would you want them to describe you?
1: Yeah, I think that is a, that's a great question. Um, I, I think first and foremost, as, as a coach who cares, um, that, that cares about them on a personal level first and foremost, um, who cares about their development, um, as a player. Uh, and again, that's something we talked before. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a golf instructor. Um, uh, and I tell kids all the time, if you come to Charlotte expecting to get a golf lesson every
2: afternoon, uh,
1: <laughs> you, then you're, 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 you're not going to get it. That, that is not me. Uh, now, as far as a, uh, a player developer, maybe, um, I, I would like to think that our guys, uh, and I trust that they do know that you know we'll talk about the things that they need to do and, and uh, as we talk through player development with them and areas that they need to get better, uh, that we can do that. But first and foremost, as a guy who cares about them um, and, and wants them to get better on a personal level, wants them to become better students uh, so that they get their degree from Charlotte uh, be- before they get out of here, and then uh, a- as a coach who will help them and cares about them, developing as as players as well and as athletes to to hopefully you know majority of our guys you know have aspirations to go on and play professional golf and and i hope they all spend you know 30 years play, playing on the pga tour um you know but uh to, to help them kind of develop with that with with a caring heart um and and kind of a servant uh mindset i, I think is is what i would want them to to know and and again i i share with our guys a lot I, i'm not here uh, to be their best friend. There, there's going to be times where, you know, we have to have difficult conversations. Uh, but, but one goal for me, I guess I'll, I'll say it another way. One fear I have as a coach is for a guy to come through our program and, and spend four years with me, uh, and then just have a great time. And there's, there's no confrontation. There's no, uh, difficult conversations. And they just have a grand old time and then look back in, in five or 10 years and, and say, I wish my coach had pushed me a little bit harder. I wish he had expected more out of me. That's a fear I have as a coach. Uh, and then I'll flip that around, I think, in an ideal world. And it goes back to talking to the former player that, that we mentioned earlier. Uh, but if I could have a guy that comes in and says, Hey, Coach, man, w- we, I, I didn't agree with everything you said. And, man, there were times that, uh, that I was so mad at you. Uh, and I didn't understand and I didn't agree with the decision you made or, or whatever it might be, but now I look back on it you know five years later, ten years later, whatever it might be. and I can't thank you enough for getting me to where I am today um, with with my maturity and, and that might be as a golfer, that might be as a, as a husband, that might be as a father. Uh, if I could be an example for these guys and although they might not agree with everything during their time here at Charlotte, if they look back, and can say thank you, Coach, for being the example that you were, uh, and and for pushing me to be the absolute best I can be. No matter how much I might have disagreed with it as we were going through it together, I think that would be ideal for me. And and that's it's, it's you hear the term that what's your why? You know, why do you do what you do? That's my why in coaching, and I think that goes back to to my parents and 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 what I saw them do. Uh, and, and and the kids and the students that they had come back to them and, and tell them thank you, that's what I want to be as a coach. And uh, you know, and, and I do, I feel like we're in a good spot with that. I, I can't speak for the guys in our program and the past players and things like that, but that would be my hope. Uh, that that's what they would see, what they would experience from me as a coach during their time uh, here at Charlotte.
0: Well, you had me at hello. I, I'll say that. But uh, Coach McGraw, who coached at Oklahoma State now Baylor, said if I had a son and he wanted to go play for Coach Cabbage, I'd say go for it, and I'd have to agree. I've, I've taken up enough of your time. I always like to end the podcast with this. Whether in life or golf, you may have only one shot. You've got to make it count. You're making it count in countless lives. You've done a great job there at Charlotte and will continue. Good luck to you guys. Thanks for spending some time with you. I'm a big fan, and I look forward to seeing and, and covering you all this, uh, this season.
1: Thank you so much. We're looking forward to it and uh, love chatting with you and uh, let me know. We'd love to do it again.
0: All right, buddy. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care. Thanks. What were you thinking on that
2: play? Take a lap and when you come back, maybe you'll do things my way.